field crest towards Clanton. Um, turn around. I was driving down Clanton and turn around and see if I can find him again. This is at Glover, subject to 1074, electronic identity aware. NCJA 1014. NCJA 1014. There's so much information on hemp, we thought we could cover it in two podcasts. We were wrong. And as we noted in episode one, there is a growing problem for law enforcement throughout the country concerning hemp, specifically because it sometimes is confused with the cannabis plants that serve as sources of marijuana and hashish. Hello, everyone. This is Kirk Pocket. In part three of this podcast discussion on hemp, once again, it is my pleasure to welcome back the Justice Academy's resident hemp expert, Bill Lokes. Bill is an instructor course developer at the West Campus in Edneyville. In part one of the series, we talked about how hemp has already caused issues for some agencies across our country and how cops in law enforcement can avoid creating those problems. When we thought we were done in episode two, we talked about the legality of hemp, a bit about possession and transportation from the field to the processor. But since that episode was recorded, some new issues have arisen in the hemp discussion that will impact law enforcement. In today's third part, Bill will expand on those. And before we get started today, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to be sure and bring up parts one and two of our discussion on hemp. Both are available right here on the Justice Academy website. So, Onward to episode three, we go. Once more, there is a ton to cover, so Bill, let's get right to it. First, tell us about what has changed since we recorded our first two episodes. Well, I think for the first time in American history, the federal government was early in a decision. How did that happen? Shocker. We wasn't expecting anything to the interim final rule to come out till the end time of 2021 or to, I think, end of October, January, I think, 16th, the USDA posted that the final rule was taking effect for the United States um, hemp program, which is no longer an industrial hemp pilot program. And it actually took effect March 22nd of 2021. So that finally is concrete and in place. And in that final ruling, it gave some leeway to the growers as far as things like their sampling instead of them having to request samples within 15 days of harvest. Now they have like 30 days. It covered a little bit of things as far as sampling agents. Who is actually going to come in and take some of these samples? It's not going to be law enforcement, but address some of those issues and it addressed some issues with potential negligent violations, like if a farmer was growing their hemp and their crop went over 0.5%, tested over 0.5% THC concentration, the Delta-9 concentration, they would be held with a negligent violation, which is civil, not criminal. But now the USDA raised that threshold and said, okay, if your plant goes over 1%, then it's a negligent violation. So it just gave them a little bit more leeway in the fact. But now we have a final rule in place. We're not going to have any more fluid movements with open comment period of times or anything like that. So we actually have a set of rules that is 
concrete and not fluid for us to go by day to day. So does this new final rule change anything as far as police actions are concerned in dealing with him? That it does not. One thing we deal with right now is we are law enforcers. We are not regulatory folks. So the regulatory folks are still dealing with all of these issues and stuff. Um, What we are looking at is the fact that the final rule for us did not give us address the issues of things like transportation. If you were taking, say, the hemp plants from a field and you were transporting it to a processing facility two states away and you're the farmer, our hope was to get some sort of transportation notification form or something like that that was built in so law enforcement could see potentially in a database that that stuff was going to move from point A to point B. That didn't happen. There's no standardized, still yet, license for transportation or any type of paperwork. That was something that was posted in the open comment period of time. I even posted three separate times a request for a nationwide database or at least a nationwide form to be transported with hemp that truly was hemp that had a COA or certificate of analysis. So for us, there's still no changes in that. We we did have the hope that there was going to be some framework in place for that, whether it was licensing, some sort of permit or something that didn't go in there. So it's it's basically the same as it is currently for law enforcement. Okay. So In our previous episode, I believe in episode two, if memory serves me correct, we talked a lot about the hemp growers. We talked about the processing, the transportation, and how as cops, we don't get ourselves in a little bit of a jam thinking that this guy going down Interstate 95 has his tractor trailer load of marijuana when in fact that it's hemp. So you enlightened us about the growers database. I'm curious to know if that database has now built into Epic and maybe probably not a bad idea for some folks that are are just maybe joining us in this episode three to first talk about what Epic is. And then let's get back to the question about the licensed hemp growers database being built into that. Okay. EPIC is a DEA-run database. It stands for El Paso Information Center. It is run out of El Paso, Texas, maintained by the federal government on the DEA side, and it has a lot of different avenues built into it, everything from deconfliction modules to license plate readers to national databases that you can call in and do roadside requests. Say if you're on a stop with somebody, say you're suspected them to be involved in some terroristic acts or something like that. If they have a 800 number that you can call them after you sign up with the Epic portal, you get access to it. It's free. All agencies can afford free. It's nothing that you have to run up the chain of command, meaning I don't have to fill out a request form, send it to the sergeant, let the sergeant sign it off, send it to the lieutenant, let the lieutenant sign it off, send it to the captain where it sits on his or her desk for three weeks. Then it goes to the chief or sheriff's office and sits there for another six weeks. No, they do the verification electronically. You sign up for it, you get access to it. Even if you're not dealing with this, it's an excellent resource tool for you to use as law enforcement. There's a lot of free tutorials on there about where they have hide sites and vehicles. There's a lot of uh, 
like global pricing list as far as controlled substances, what they may go for in your area or your HIDA region. There's uh, information bulletins on awareness issues with terroristic acts, suspected terrorism. There's a slew of information on there. So again, it's free. Okay, and let, let me get you to push the pause button here for just a second to ask about that sign-up process. Is that an individual user sign-up or are you accessing your entire agency when one person signs up? It is an individual user sign-up. So you can access it. You may be able to access it from your smartphone if you have the app. Um, but most people will access it from their MDCs. They're in the patrol car or at the mm -hmm. station. So it is an individual user. If you sign up for it, like if I signed up for it, I have an account. When I sign up for it, it is unique to me. My username and password is for me and me only. That I don't know if they give like carte blanche to a, an entire agency. Personnel change sometimes on a weekly basis. So I think it's a lot safer just to do it on the individual basis. All right. So let's now that we have that great definition and, and everybody's a little bit more schooled about what that is. Let's talk about the licensed hemp growers database that you've talked about, I think, both in podcast one and two and how that access can help cops out on the street. The original intent when I talked to William Richmond, who is the chief in D.C. over the United States, um, domestic hemp program that that means he is he's the top man over everything outside of congress he is the decision maker on this um the original intent as this was coming into place with this new final rule was to run this database through epic and to build some ip protocols so nationwide all cops would have access to the hemp growers database Meaning if I stopped a load and I'm doing roadway interdiction, I stop a tractor trailer or a U-Haul box truck on 95, 26, whatever it is, 40, and they claim to be filled in their load with hemp. And they say it's coming from Minnesota and they're transporting it to the East Coast, say it's going out to Wilmington or something to a processing facility. One, I need to figure out, okay, did this come from a legal grow site? It's nothing saying I shall, but for interdiction work, that's, that's a good piece of information. So the premise was, as all of these individual states that have not submitted an individual state hemp program plan, which North Carolina has not, I have to be clear on that. We are still currently, even though this final rule is in effect, we are still operating under the 2014 Industrial Hemp Pilot Program, and that was extended to January 1st of 2022 in the last omnibus spending bill that was passed by Congress. So we're still operating under that because we do not have an individual hemp pilot program or a hemp program submitted. Because of that, we could potentially lose our database. So the thought from USDA was they were going to build this database so cops could have access to everybody's growth site. If I had to look at a potential grower in Minnesota, California, Colorado, Arkansas, Arizona, New York, Michigan, Illinois, whatever the case may be, I could log into the Epic portal, click on to that particular link for the licensed hemp growers and actually find it. 
that didn't fly. Apparently something happened on the DC side and I can't really get into it, but I'm going to say some federal partners weren't in agreement in how this was going to be done. So on the federal side, as of right now, your licensed hemp growers will not be going through the Epic portal. To me, that's dangerous. So I automatically reached out to the North Carolina Department of Ag and said, okay, what is my North Carolina cops? What are the, what do our heroes, our frontline soldiers that are out here day in and day out, what do they have to keep them safe while they're trying to make this decision? According to Department of Agriculture, our database for North Carolina is currently going to stay maintained until January 1st of 2022. Okay, they are still working with USDA to continue providing the growers database um, once the pilot program ends on our end for North Carolina, which is January 1st, 2022. Um, so it is still being worked on here in North Carolina by our Department of Ag and USDA. So hopefully right now I can't give any more guidance. That was the last piece of information I had probably six days ago that came directly from the top of USDA over the industrial hemp pilot program section. So the EPIC database is out as of right now, unless something changes in DC. Um, we all know DC's kind of a hot mess right now. So I wouldn't expect this to be the prioritized item that's there. Um, so, but we still have access to our portal. It's very important that we use it, use those tools that are still readily available to us. And again, as the hemp lesson plan goes out for the in-service training, a lot of people are signing up and getting access to this database. And I think every cop should have it. If you're if you're answering a call, if you're doing traffic stops, you're working traffic crashes, you're doing interdiction, you're working dope, you're working gangs, you're working homicides, whatever it is. Unless you are just sitting in the office and never leaving the precinct, never leaving the sheriff's department, only going in there and picking up the phone and answering a phone call, every cop should have that. That's that's it. You're going to run into hemp and hemp derived products out there. They're all over the market. Walk around Target and see what you see on the shelves right now. Walk around Kroger. Walk around Ingalls. Walk around Publix. Tell me what you see out there. I'm seeing stuff on Walmart shelves now. I'm seeing at high-end gas stations, like nice big gas stations, like Q&A, Wawa, uh, Exxon, big Tiger Mart Exxons and stuff. But I'm also seeing them at the little places we kind of refer to sometimes as the stop and rob. <laughs> You know, the place that the price a gallon for a gallon of gas is runs about 20 cents more than it does down the street. You know, it's the same place that somebody can go in and when they get paid, they can go in and buy like a 24 ounce bottle of beer and a Brillo filter, you know, because you're going to scrub your dishes. And I go to buy my stuff to maintain my dishes at my house at the little stop and drop gas station. Oh yeah. And I could buy one of those little vials with the little glass vials with a little rose inside of it or a small pen. You, you folks know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the places that are good for selling paraphernalia and stuff like that. Um, even those folks are selling this stuff. This stuff is all over the place. It's how do we make the determination is what is legal and what's not. I'm not going into a store to see if they're selling or trying to make determinations on whether or not 
they're selling something good or not. That's up to your individual agency. That is up to your district attorney's office. That is up to your legal counsel to deal with that kind of stuff. That's a rabbit hole when you start going down that and you need to be well-versed in this. You need to be able to talk about this doggone near to a molecular science, how you knew what came out of that store was actually not the right product. So what our concern is, if you answer a call for a domestic and you pull up to an address and it's a hemp farm, how do you know it is actually a hemp farm? If you've never seen that before, and I promise you, the first time you see it, you'll remember my, this guy's voice and this guy's words and go, hey, I remember Bill said this on this podcast. This is crazy. This guy has two acres of hemp plants growing. There's about 2,000 hemp plants growing, and it smelled like what I had previously been trained to be marijuana, like half a mile down the road. I could smell it. Now I'm here for a domestic. The domestic has nothing to do with what's going on here in this field, but I need to kind of make some determinations because I'm here. That database is your first thing. Okay, if I responded to that domestic at 12 Main Street and I look at the database real quick, the hemp growers license database and see the 12 Main Street is a licensed grow site, I'm done. Okay, has nothing to do with a call, but it's different now if I pull over, say, a tractor trailer on 95 and they've got 4,000 pounds of it in the back. That becomes a total different issue. I have to evaluate this, especially if I'm looking at the interdiction side or if I'm doing any type of parcel interdiction and I start popping open some packages that has five pounds of what looks like and smells like what we have previously known and been trained to be marijuana. And somebody has a Microsoft Word document sitting on top of it and said, this is hemp, hemp is legal. I've seen that. I'm getting the pictures from the officers and the cops and the detectives and the agents in the field saying, look what I found today. This is crazy. So this is a new world for us to navigate. Um, and it's a, <laughs> it's a unique world for us. Uh, but our database here for North Carolina will stay in place till January 1st of 2022. Epic, as of right now, is out for being the nationwide database. That's out of our control. Nothing we can do about it. It's nothing that we did to cause that. That's just some different powers to be. And that's that's the best way I can put that one with, without divulging too much information. So we need to stick to our state resources. With my conversation with the head folks for North Carolina Department of Ag, they know my conversation with them is to let them know that we will not have access to the EPIC portal. So they are aware of it. I've done my part also. I've put them on notice to say, hey, our cops still need a database. We need to put some sort of measure into place, even though we don't currently have a submitted approved state plan to the USDA. So we are falling under the USDA's domestic hemp program rules currently. Well, and of course, on behalf of cops all over the state of North Carolina, we thank you for taking the lead role and kind of dealing with the North Carolina ag folks and, and helping them be a little bit more accountable. So, you know, we've, we kicked off things today about the, the rule changes to federal level. We know a little bit more about EPIC. We know that the state might be a little bit behind the information eight ball, but you're helping us to get caught up with that. In our previous podcast, we talked more about the cops on the street dealing with him. 
So I think it's a good idea to maybe close this one out with a review. And I don't know of anybody else better on the subject to help us review. Talking about hemp and interdiction and those accidental stops where it may start out being speeding or aggressive driving, careless and reckless, whatever the case may be. And then it morphs into something else once those back doors open up or as as you uh, said earlier, based on my previous training and experience, you're going to smell this <laughs> stuff. So yeah. let's talk about how you deal with that on the street. And this will kind of help us close things down today. All right. Well, so let's first cover what I would call the accidental exposure to this, meaning you're out, you're on patrol, you're in between calls, nothing's going on. You're running radar. You're in a 45 mile an hour zone. Somebody buzzes through there doing 63. Okay. You go to stop them, try to figure out, hey, you okay? Is your hair on fire? <laughs> you on your way to the emergency room? Somebody holding you kidnapped or something like that? Or did you know this was a 45 mile an hour zone? You know, you may or not be the ticket police or something like that. That was, that's just the thing. But as soon as you walk up to the car, you've got that legal reason to stop them. You clock them doing 63 and a 45. Okay. That, that to me, there's my reasonable suspicion that something's already happened probable cause. I'm, I'm talking to them. I've got a legal reason to stop them. As I start walking up to the vehicle, I can smell an odor that I previously knew to be burnt marijuana because there's two different smells. I can tell that I can differentiate between the odor of the flower, whether it's just green plant material sitting in the bag, the flower, the bud, however you're going to put it, or if it's been smoked. There, there's two distinct odors. And your canine dog's going to alert to both ends on the hemp side. Let's, I have to con continuously remind folks, your canine, unless your dog is one of the new dogs coming in that have not been trained on marijuana, your dog's gonna alert on that. So you walk up to the car, you tell the driver why you stop him. <laughs> you say you could even still see a little bit of smoke in there and you say, all right, you got any weed in here? You've been smoking weed in here? And they tell you, oh, I've actually been smoking hemp. Here's a hemp cigarette. And they hand you a pack, a branded pack that says, say it's Tom John's hemp cigarettes. And you're like, okay, wow. You look at the package. It looks to be a legitimate package. It's not like old. It doesn't look like it's 3,000 years old. You know, they were smoking it in the car. I'm looking at them. I don't see dilated pupils. I don't see them sitting there with the... Uh, typical high syndrome of like kind of half talking slow or them with 50 busted open packages of McDonald's cheeseburgers sitting next to them in the driver's seat because they've got the munchies, you know, and this is somebody coming from work. Say they're in a suit, they're in a nice car. You stopped them, they're in an Audi. They're a banker. They're president of a bank, whatever the case is. But you've got that odor of burnt, what you previously knew to be burnt marijuana in the car. They hand you a package saying they've been smoking hemp cigarettes. We know hemp has been removed from the Federal Controlled Substance Act. There's nothing in the state law or federal law that says you shall or you will go further to make sure that this is actually him. This person doesn't have any signs of impairment. They physically actually handed you the package that still has some of the hemp pre-rolled cigarettes in there. And just so you know, these hemp pre-rolled cigarettes are going to look just the same in most cases as the industrial or the big chain um, dispensary type places would have for their marijuana cigarettes. You're going to see it in raw brand type papers and stuff like that. You're going to see that little slit of a paper cone for the filter and stuff like that in there. That's just how these things are packaged. Looks like weed. 
<laughs> smells like weed. Some of the paraphernalia across the board is going to be the same thing. So now this person has handed you a package, just like we covered in the in-service lesson plan. You know, what can you do with that? There's a lot I can do with that package. One, I can ask them, hey, while I'm running your driver's license insurance, is it okay if I take this back with me? I just, I want to learn about hemp. I want to look this up real quick. I'm curious about this. This is new. You know, they could tell me yes or no. If they say no, I say, okay. I, I don't have a legal reason in my mind to sit there and say, no, I shall make this determination on whether or not this is hemp. I, I'm telling you right now, I don't see any signs of impairment. I know hemp is not a federal controlled substance act. It's not listed on the federal controlled substance act. It's a commodity. I'm not seeing signs of impairment, stuff like that. Uh, at that point in time, okay, I'm pretty much done. But say they do let me take it back with them. I take it back to my car. I'm the first thing I'm gonna do is start searching on that package and see if there's a QR scan code. Take my phone and I'm gonna point my phone's camera to it and scan the QR scan code. And it's gonna pop up and say, do you wanna go to this website? And I'm gonna say yes. And I'm gonna press the yes button and it's gonna take me to a website. And all of a sudden I see Susie Q's hemp pre-rolled cigarettes or whatever it is. I'm like, man, look at this. They've even have a website. It could still be fictitious, yes. It's possible, but it's not probable at this point in time. I could search on the website and somewhere on these re on the more reputable websites, they'll also have a listing of their COAs or certificate of analysis. That's the lab analysis that have come out showing that that product is truly hemp. It contains less than 0.3% THC concentration or Delta 9 THC concentration. I can even click on that COA link on their website and do verification. There's nothing in the law that says you shall or you will. If you're curious, do it to take a look and get comfortable with the COAs. But at that point in time, I'm done. I know I'm comfortable that this is not weed. You have to understand that because it looks like and smells like what you previously known to be marijuana, you have to get your head wrapped around the fact that it could actually be hemp. That's why going to the stores that sell this stuff, the smoke shops, even your lower end smoke shops, going to the lower end smoke shops, the places where some of the undesirables hang out, go into some of those places, go into the higher end places, go into places like uh, uh, Carolina Hemp Company, Franny's Pharmacy and stuff like that. Look at some of your more reputable places and go in there. One of the last times I walked into Carolina Hemp Company, the guy behind the counter was also a pharmacist. And that was his business. I was like, wow, I learned a lot from him. From pharma G, pharma from a standpoint of how it interacts with the body. Um, go into those shops, let those people show you that. Smell the hemp, smell the hemp flower. Look at some of the hemp derived products, the CBD, CBN, CBG. The other thing you're gonna see out there is Delta 8. Um, Delta 8 spins us in a to total new world. I could tell you via state law, yes, it's legal, and no, it's legal. You have to get with your actual district attorney. You're going to have to get with your legal agency and get that determination from them. I could, But I'm going to assure you this much. If it's this guy and somebody tasks me to go looking at a place and start shutting them down over Delta 8, this guy's going to say, sorry, I'm not going to be this guinea pig because it's going to be a big big fight and it's going to be a nasty court battle. So for the roadside stop, you've basically figured it out. The individual stop, you stop somebody for speeding, you smell the odor of what you previously recognized to be burnt marijuana. The guy says, yes, I'm actually, I'm not smoking weed, I'm smoking hemp. They voluntarily hand you the package. You verified the package that it, 
it's an actual legit company from what you can tell. You don't have to look at the company's like business license and go all in that depth. You could see from a website that that package is actually listed. That package has a QR scan code that takes you to that website. That website shows you a COA. We're, we're done. We are way done at that point in time. At that point in time, I'm hurrying up, wrapping up the stop. I'm cutting my citation if I am. If not, I'm telling them, look, I need you to slow down. I need you to be able to get home safely. And by speeding, you're not able to do that. My job is to make sure you get where you're going safely and everyone that's operating a vehicle around you gets home safely too. I've never been the ticket police. So, but from an interdiction point, say I'm on 95 and I stop a tractor trailer, whether it's for a vehicle equipment violation, if I have that certification or if I'm doing an inspection or if I'm stopping them for speeding, following too closely, whatever the case is. I walk up to the vehicle and as I'm getting out, I can smell a strong odor. Say I cannot smell a strong odor. Say I can't smell anything, but I run a dog and I'm an interdiction specialist. So I'm probably going to have a cross-trained canine with me. And the dog alerts to the trailer of the tractor trailer. I start talking to the driver and ask them simple things like, okay, where'd the load come from? And if they tell me, uh, uh, well, I think it came from uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. What do you mean you think? Did you pick up this load originally? No, I'm the second driver in this. This load went from, I think, Springfield, got dropped off somewhere. Then I hooked up to it at a pickup point, and I'm not now taking it to its location. That in itself kind of sounds, that that's not what you see usually within the trucking industry. You see that more in within shipping like UPS, FedEx, DHL, and stuff like that. Um, the way they piggyback their loads. You don't see that with an individual owner of a tractor trailer and stuff. So if the dog's already alerted to the trailer and I don't, this the driver can't tell me where the load came from, what he or she's hauling, they may say, well, I think it's hemp. Okay, where'd it come from? Well, I don't really know. I just got, you know, contracted. You know, I got the alert through my network to pick this load up and I'm taking it. You know, I picked it up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm driving it to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, okay, things I want to look at. Where did the load come from? Load source, where it originated. The load destination, where is it going? Okay, Another quick thing, if I know those sources, I don't have to know those addresses. I can go back to my vehicle if I've got an MDC or if I've got a smartphone. I could pick up my smartphone and say, okay, this is going to 2831 Thompson Lane in Nashville, Tennessee. I can pull up my phone and pull up Google Earth and take a screenshot and look at 2831 Thompson Lane in Nashville, Tennessee. And if it's listed like it's a big business and I look at it and it's a house, well, not saying a business can't be in a house, but that's going to be a little bit of thing to help me start to develop some probable cause. I'm going to still hold on and still evaluate. Where did it come from? Let me look at a picture of the house or the business. If it's listed as, you know, ABC hemp growers and stuff, and I look at ABC hemp growers and it's supposed to be a hemp farm, but I see it's a looks like a small burnout building, then I can still see the sign where somebody used to sell Hoover vacuum cleaners out of there. I'm going to say I've still got a little bit of reasonable suspicion to continuously move forward that there, there is some not legitimate stuff going on with this load. My driver doesn't know really where it came from, where it's going to. The addresses really don't match up and stuff like that. Here's where ethics a good thing. 
I could pick up the phone with Epic and I can, once I take the bill of lading, I'll ask the driver, give me the bill of lading with the paperwork. Hand me the bill of lading. I'll go back to my vehicle and I'll call Epic and give Epic all the information on the bill of lading. Epic has so many databases that are feeding in from feeder databases, meaning they can get things like reports from Charlotte, Winston-Salem, Nashville, Chicago, all kinds of intel. It'll feed into one database. So they have specific information on addresses, and it may or may not toggle. You may find out from Epic saying, uh, no, that 2831 Thompson Lane is currently under investigation by, say, the 20th Judicial Drug Task Force in Nashville, Tennessee, as a large marijuana distribution organization that is currently sitting on a Title III wiretap right now. Wow, that's good information. I just got that from a driver not being able to answer questions, me just taking a few minutes to look at a few pictures of where it came from, where it's going to, and now Epic, which is a DEA, that is a DEA, that is a federal law enforcement agency run center. I now have probable cause to deal with that as that's a, this is a load of marijuana. Um, the other part of this too, you may pull over a driver who may be an Epic system, say the load is okay, you're finding out, okay, the, where it came from is good, where it's going to is good, but the driver that you are dealing with right now has been charged four separate times with transportation of marijuana, transporting marijuana. He's been caught in Washington, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Illinois. Oh, yeah, and by the way, we can also show that he just crossed into the border from their license plate reader with that tractor trailer you're dealing with that just crossed the border from Mexico two days ago, two to three days ago. God, that's great information to know while I'm standing there with this individual roadside. I'm now treating this as that is a load of marijuana. There's no other way to put it. If the loads originated inside of your state, if I've stopped somebody saying 95 again, but the load is from here, it did not originate from a different state. And I've got that information. Well, guess what I've got? I've got my hemp grower database. I can get on my MDC, look it up and go, yep, this came from 12 Main Street. That is a licensed grow location. I'm done at that point in time. If I get froggy and I get in there and need to do some sort of testing and stuff like that, um, I'm not advocating for them. But I can tell you in my experience, Detecticam has been the better and most reliable of the test kits. I'm a Sirachi and Nick's trainer. I've worked and been certified as a train the trainer on both of those. Um, I'm not really comfortable <laughs> with them. So I found better results with Detecticam. I'm not a trainer with Detecticam, but I can tell you I just for cop tools out there, that that seems to be the better product out there. Um, so these are all things to look at. COAs, they may be transporting this load just like the issue where the guy got stopped with 3,500 pounds of hemp in Texas. Remember the story, the guy was hired to come out of Florida, it was a Hispanic male. They told him they would pay him $2,500 to drive a tractor or a rider. No, it was a U-Haul truck from San Jose, California to, I think, Bronx, New York. Guy got stopped actually, I think, somewhere in Phoenix was temporarily detained for about 16 hours. They figured out that because he had a COA with that, the certificate of analysis, that it was pretty much going to be hemp. 
They let him go with a big apology. He gets stopped in Texas by Texas DPS. Texas DPS thinks that the 3,500 pounds of stuff down to the packaging and everything in there, it looked like a good interdiction stop. It looked like it was weed, 100% across the board. The Texas DPS folks contact DEA. DEA TFO comes out and says, you know what? I've talked to this driver. I think this is weed. We're going to adopt the case. The guy gets locked up. He gets put in federal custody for about 30 to 31 days through Christmas time. Then all of a sudden, the test came back saying that 3,500 plus pounds that he had in his U-Haul truck was in fact hemp. He's already been sitting there under federal charges. Now there's a big dismissal of charges without prejudice and stuff like that. You can imagine what that lawsuit, I don't even know where that lawsuit is currently. You can't imagine that it's not going to happen. You know it's going to happen. So if somebody even has a COA, use that as a piece of caution. Get comfortable with COAs. Do your own research. If you got questions about it, you can reach out to me at the Justice Academy. I can walk you through COAs. I can get you somewhat comfortable with COAs. It's not a certification process, but it is a trial and error. We saw this same type of issue with the COAs when we saw our bath salts, our K2 incense, all this stuff hit the market 2010, 2011 timeframe when we would be ripping probably 2,000 pounds of those gram or half gram sized packages of incense, K2, spice, the potpourri from like the stop and rob stores. Remember, that was like a synthetic type weed where essentially chemist was making some sort of chemical, spraying it on damiama leaves, putting in a package that had a picture of like Bob Marley, Snoop Doggy Dog, um, bunch of rainbow colors, pigs flying and stuff like that, listed it as potpourri, but it's sold by a half gram and a gram size. My grandma's never bought potpourri by gram or half gram size. I don't even think that feasibly exists and stuff. So that was part of the clue. But when we would shut down some of those stores and arrest those folks, they would sit down and say, look, they gave us a, a lab report. Here's a COA. This is the lab report. We figured out that 99% of those lab reports, the COAs, were fictitious. Now there's ways to verify the companies that have COA. COAs coming out. There are some well-known companies out there like uh, Spectrum Labs. Um, I think Spectrum Labs is one of the companies that's in Asheville. That's a North Carolina company. ACS Laboratories, another big one. If I can look up on a website and see that a laboratory is ISO certified and stuff, that goes a long way. That's a big lab certification. Um, so you can get comfortable. I can point you in the way of making some determinations on whether or not this product is and or is not good from the COA standpoint in time. I can show you how to debunk a COA or sit down and say, okay, this COA is good. This is load. This tractor trailer, it's got 2,800 pounds of this stuff is actually going to be more than likely hemp. And the other part of this too is if you're not comfortable, if you still are not sure yet, first of all, if you're not comfortable enough to make a seizure and or arrest, don't protect yourself. Right now, in case you haven't picked up a newspaper, if you haven't tuned into any media outlet, I don't know if you know it. Cops are the reason the world is upside down right now. It's our fault and stuff. Last thing we need is a, another piece of bad publicity from a mistake. A simple thing to do is if you're still not sure and it's still not 
settling in your head. You can't go to sleep at night that that tractor trail that you just let pull off is good. Forward that to the next agency where it's coming. You already know its destination source. Pick up the phone and call there. Has to talk to the narcotics folks, the interdiction folks. Pass that information to them. Let them make a determination. Heck, they may know something about that location where it's going. They may be able to sit down and say, actually, we just bought 15 pounds of weed from that place that it's going to. And it was actually weed. We've already ran it through a lab and the lab has come back and verified that it truly was marijuana and stuff. So use the power of sharing some of this information. But if you don't feel comfortable, don't do it. I promise you. What you let go today, I would rather let you I would rather you let marijuana walk today than seize hemp tomorrow. I promise you. Once yeah, so every I time guess, the seizure comes out, it's bad. Yeah. So I guess what I hear you saying at the end of the day, this whole interdiction process is just about doing good old-fashioned police investigative work. Mm-hmm. Take it your really time. Is. Ask the right questions. When in doubt, let it go out. Right. I, I think, you know, cops as you said, are creatures of creating problems, Uh, especially with something like this that is so new and has so many complexities. It's just better to to take your time step by step and call the folks that know. And of course, you're one of those folks. and, And certainly thank you for offering yourself up as being a resource to the cops here in North Carolina. Yep. And I'm here 24 seven. I want to make sure everybody knows that because I do. And my wife will verify. (laughs) I'll get, I'll get calls two, three o'clock in the morning from cops roadside out on incidents, stuff like that saying, Hey, I need a little bit of help making the determinations and stuff. I can help you make these determinations. Um, I won't say, why are you calling me at three o'clock in the morning? I'd rather get up out of bed, walk into the living room, start looking at the computer because at the end of the day, that's part of my job. My job here is to also make sure you are successful and safe out there. That's the good thing about my job. That's what makes me happy. That's why when I call to the Department of Ag and say, hey, look, remember this database goes out at the end of the year. We need an extension or something put into place. I felt good with saying I've made the notifications to do that, to help more than the 35,000 plus cops in the state of North Carolina have another piece of safety net out there. I love that to me that is that's that's a good thing i dig that well fortunately for law enforcement in north carolina the very complicated subject of hemp is part of this year's mandatory in service and it was written by today's podcast guest bill once again you took us to school on the subject of hemp and all the complexities that come with it thanks again for lending us your time and expertise not only for this podcast but what you've done and what we know that you will continue to do for law enforcement in north carolina thank you thank you for having me Bill Oaks is an instructor course developer for the North Carolina Justice Academy and a guy who obviously knows his stuff on the subject of him. If you'd like to get more information in greater detail, Bill can be reached, as he said, at the West Campus in Edneyville. His email address is accessible right here on the Academy website. Thanks for clicking up this episode of NCJA 1014 on the subject of him. And as always, stay safe.